Welcome to the Trend Detection Podcast, powered by Sensei, an industry leader in using AI to drive scalable and sustainable asset performance and reliability. For this three-part series, I'm joined by James Bond, an individual with over 25 years of experience in maintenance, condition-based monitoring, and predictive maintenance. In the third and final episode of this series, James reveals how predictive maintenance has helped him to overcome the challenges he faces on a day-to-day basis, the common mistakes to avoid when using such a tool, and the benefits he has seen firsthand of working with remote-based colleagues. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Who, who would say such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Experi- experience is very important, I'm sure. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, and how, how has predictive maintenance helped you overcome some of those challenges we talked about before, especially if we compare it on the other end of the scale to reactive sort of maintenance practices? Well, it's that culture change. Then plus it's um, trying to use all your tools in your toolbox because there are a lot of times that you can't use just one, but just throwing that toolbox at it um, kind of takes the edge off of it. We would like to think, yeah, I'm, I'm the man of the house. I'm the leader here and we're going to do it just with my technology and not that don't always play in a factor. <laughs> so it's um, being able to use all of this tools we have in our toolbox at our disposal. Um, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal on what, how much, um, difficulty it it decreases the difficulty of what you're trying to accomplish yeah but yeah i, but I certainly get your point of what you're saying so it, it, not one method is like a silver bullet it's not going to solve everything it's uh and it, yeah some of the themes i've already covered but yeah it's it's about layering different technologies or throwing different tools as you would say mm-hmm. on top of it to achieve the achieve the outcomes that you've talked about um so i also we also touched on a little bit in terms of staffing a predictive maintenance program so um i guess a misconception from time to time is that you need a big team and a big function behind you um in order to deliver predictive maintenance do you do you agree with that um do you agree with that statement or or a lot of resources let's say in order to sort of get up and running with predictive maintenance well with um I guess with any group, you're going to the more skilled tech, um, technicians, uh, your, like I said back, um, uh, those certifications make a big difference and that helps, but that um, maintenance experience also helps as well. The thing about it is um, that's a good thing that management can determine is okay who's the most skilled at this position and what is what are their strengths what are their weaknesses in order to be able to place them with the right technology so yes um i would agree to a point that it takes a little bit um of size in order to have a good team, but not necessarily whenever there's a fault, say there's a smaller facility, just as long as you have the right people in the right place, you can make a few people go a long way. And and what would be the sort of positions of those people titles that you'd need as a sort of the core function of that team? 
I would personally, I would look for the ones who had who does have the maintenance backgrounds. I've seen, I've had to open the eyes on some technicians that never did really believe in what you were doing. It was just like um, black magic or something like that. So you were performing, no, I don't believe in that. But whenever you start showing them visible proof, visual proof, hey, this is what we're doing. This is, look, me and you work through this and we, we produce results by doing so. It's just a matter of making the believer out of people. And then it takes those people, um, I worked with a technician one time that worked on the maintenance side of things. And because he had that maintenance background was brought into a group that I had worked in. And then it really opened his eyes on um, my perspective on things or my team's perspective on things. Uh, people like that make, as long as you can make a believer them, make them a strong point about it, they come for that maintenance background, that helps out a lot. Because even though you may know something about that machine, the next person down the line may not. Um, so just finding the people with a wide variety, a wide variety of skill sets, should I say. Yeah. So they, they can all bring something something unique and different, a different perspective to the table and different skills to the table. Yeah, a group that I work with right now, there is a wide, um, there's a um, wide variety of skill sets right now. And the team I work with right now is ex- extremely knowledgeable. And it, everybody, every one of us brings something very unique, which what builds a strong team. We're a very well, a very diverse group too. Oh, fantastic as it should be. Um, I was I was going to ask actually in terms of that team makeup, is that a mix of remote staff, non-remote, or the people? It's just out of interest, really. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Basically>, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Does that have its challenges? I guess. I mean, even I work in a, as you can see, in a, in a remote environment but um does that bring up any challenges in sort of a uh, factory floor maintenance environment or opportunities actually let's say as well my perspective i don't really believe so because some of those skill sets may have somebody who can work better that in an environment where they're not bothered and have to really focus on something that's right in front of them versus, okay, um, there's somebody that needs to go into work and actually lay their hands on something or actually collect the data off something to be able to do this analysis that I do. So it just depends upon the skill set. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, I was just going to, Look at, look at it from a different perspective regarding predictive maintenance. So what are some of the common me- mistakes to avoid um, when, when using a predictive maintenance tool? I guess one one comment you made there about it being black magic is probably one, that it's not just a connect it up and then there you go, job done kind of thing. Um, right. If, if only it was that easy, it'd be great, wouldn't it? But are there any other sort of common mistakes that people make or assumptions people make or misconceptions? Okay, uh, main conception, and I have fun with this. Um, they want to know when it's going to fail, the exact time. 
Ah, yes. really no possible way of doing that, even though they would like to think so. It could fail tomorrow or it could fail next week or next year. Um, currently, uh, what I tell everyone, I'm sorry, but our crystal ball is um, being calibrated at this time. So there's no way I can determine that. <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to respond, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, they're, yeah, they're not, they might be good, but they're not quite at that stage where a tool can actually pinpoint the exact moment a machine's going to fail. I mean, that'd make, that'd be really make your job easy, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. Instead of the planning, it'd be, <laughs> that'd be the oh. dream, really. Yeah. Okay. Um, another one that I have really seen that's most common people like to start out too big. They want to pull a big group of people in instead of building their case, they want to get in here. And before you know it, you bite, you're biting off more than you can chew. You have to take your time. Uh, uh, like you've heard before, Rome wasn't built in a day. So take your time, work with small stuff and build off of that. Another thing, um, being consistent, uh, we've talked about it earlier, being consistent with your data or sample collection. If you don't do, if you're not doing that, uh, you're not practicing that repeatability and you're not going to have sustainable results. And another one that I'm a big firm believer on it and people I have worked with before have noticed this out of me, practice safe work habits. Those machines don't care who you are and they will eat you alive. They don't care if they rip that finger off or anything. Their main purpose is to, I'm gonna run until I break or until I'm shut down. So you have to be extremely careful around your surroundings, your environment, stuff like that. Is that, is that something else that forms part of a sort of a business case about improved health and safety? So like you say, a, a better maintained machine is um, less likely to fail and cause you know potential injury to someone on site so is that is that something that's into the consideration i know that with downtime being maybe the main consideration but just it just out of interest really because i know there's other um, there's other industries that sort of focus on health and safety is quite a big factor um safety is my number one priority hmm. I can go up there and I can look at stuff. And then if I can, if I, <clears throat> if it, if I can deem that to be unsafe, um, think outside the box. Okay. If I cannot do it this way, let's figure out a way where we can look at this, where we're out of harm's way. That's a, that's a really good way to, um, to look at it really. So, um, I wanted to look ahead. We've looked a bit into the past about what maybe maintenance looked like before, but I, I wanted to look into your crystal ball, James, as you said <laughs> earlier. Just, do you have any thoughts about how maintenance is going to evolve in? Oh, I won't give a time frame, but just in in the future in general, where 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 is it heading? Uh, a lot of things I do right now is uh, condition based monitoring. I do online monitoring. And I see that moving on forward, uh, basically using artificial intelligence. Um, it's amazing on some of the artificial intelligence programs that are out there. Um, of course, you know one of them that I'm real familiar with. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it's 
it's amazing that everything that I look at on that, it's, it's another learning curve. And after doing it for so many years that you kind of pinpoint, you see something, but there's always going to be something out there that, okay, now what can we do or what can we measure now to get this result out of it in order and, uh, and work from there. Yeah. I, I guess you're, I guess you're sort of constantly learning as you have over the past. So if I, it's that, it's yes. that kind of thing. there'll always be something new. So I guess it's about sort of not being a dinosaur as you, as you put it, and maybe being, it's being open-minded about these new technologies and maybe not believing their magic as such, but at least being open-minded to the possibility that there's some tools out there that can really make your sort of day-to-day -day life easier. I'm not a happy person whenever I cannot go into my um, position every day, going to work every day and not be able to learn something new. And that's what it's going to take to make stuff like condition-based monitoring, predictive maintenance and stuff like to continue to grow because you're continuing to think outside that box. Okay, what can we do now? What, what, what are we missing here? What can we bring to the table that we're not currently doing right now it's that's it's that constant stride that constant um yearn for knowledge and, and do you do your um, maybe not necessarily colleagues but even um peers do, do you feel that they're really on board with these type of technologies or is there still a level of culture shift i know it can depend it depends by organization as well but it just on a sort of a maintainer's level, is there still a culture shift that needs to happen there? Or do you think people are moving towards with or close the, to it? I say with the proper knowledge, the proper training, it takes training to make believers out of people. And then plus the experience, okay, you've got all this knowledge then you've been trained. Now let's send you out in the field a little bit. Now we're going to get um, firsthand experience on what you have been learning so go out here and it just uh, that's where you're opening the eyes and the clouds have parted the sun comes out and it's a aha moment and that's what the real neat thing is about it i go into my facility every day and i just hopefully that i can just go in there and i see something and it is something that i normally don't see and then I go to this machine, I go, ah, here we go. And it's being able to take what you have learned and everything, making the believer out of you into being something productive. That's a really nice way to put it. I want, I've got a couple of um, questions left. And this one, this one might seem a strange one, um, <laughs> but it's about how, how do you achieve greatness as a maintenance professional? It's a bit of a, maybe a bit more of a fun question, I guess, to, to end things on. Here we go. I got a good one for you on this one. Oh, awesome. <laughs> be open, be consistent, think outside of the box, work as a, work as a team. That's a biggie for me. And have lots and lots of patience. You have to have patience in order to accomplish what you're trying to achieve. And is, is that what you'd, I guess, maybe the same question packaged up differently, but is that what you'd advise your younger self 
from a maintenance point of view as well. Yes. Whenever I was younger, I had very little patience with anything. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. I, I, I would like to think I have lots and lots of patience, even though I do have a way of pushing buttons every once in a while. <laughs> well, we're all human, aren't we? In fairness, so <laughs> we all have our limits, don't we? But no, absolutely. I think that's, that's really great advice. Um, and then finally, something a bit, um, just to finish, finish on this, um, is a constant thing, especially when you talk about AI machine learning. Um, someone maybe outside the industry just hears about robots and stuff taking over humans in <laughs> facilities. Um, do, do you have a view? Are you concerned that technology might one day overtake humans or take away hu the human input in your, your type of role? No, something's always going to short circuit. Um, really just by reducing the need for human input in one area, uh, that only gives us an opening and help us utilize our time in other areas that are not as strong and being able to work on that area and strengthen it. And then by doing that, you're also widening your skill set. You're learning something new. You're learning something different. Uh, and you're making yourself and then plus your team a valuable asset. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, so I think that's all we've got time for today, but it's been really great to, um, to talk to you, James, and le learn a bit more about sort of maintenance and, and sort of the history behind that and, and, what, and what you're doing today, more importantly as well. So thank you for taking the time out. There, yeah, there's a, like I said before, and I've told several people, um, I have several grandchildren. I have a large family. And say my, say my grandson would want to go into the, the facility of work I wish I work at. I want to be able to leave that place knowing and I did something to improve it and possibly make it a little easier on him in the future whenever he gets ready to decide what he wants to do. And if that was the case, I've done something to help the future of my family or my children or my grandchildren. Yeah. What what lovely sentiment to, to end on as well. Fantastic. So, so yeah, no, thanks again, James. Been, been a real pleasure. Thank you. So that was the third and final part of our series, diving into the world of a maintenance professional. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's be clear for a moment. Predictive maintenance isn't magic. It's a common point that is often raised in conversations on this podcast, and James again refers to this, which highlights the importance of understanding that PDM should fit as part of a wider maintenance strategy. Please subscribe via your favorite podcast provider if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, and let us know your feedback by leaving us a review. You can find out more about how Sensei can reduce unplanned downtime and contribute towards improved sustainability within your manufacturing plants, by visiting sensei.io. Thanks a lot for listening.